0: From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams.
1: I think that uh, resilient leadership is, in many ways, leadership by example. It is our ability as leaders, in whatever capacity that we're leading, um, to be an example or a role model, or um, a bellwether, as it were for what others can see. They see us vulnerably and authentically and humbly um, facing into that headwind and possibly stumbling from time to time, but continuing to seek learning and formation from it and rising again and rising better informed.
0: That's Laurie Bedke talking about what it takes to be a resilient leader. We'll hear more from Laurie on resiliency in challenging times in the habits of high performing executives but first a word from our sponsor spend more time doing what you love caring for patients and less time on clinical documentation nuance dragon ambient experience or dax captures the patient story securely and accurately to automatically document at the point of care for increased efficiency and patient throughput. Discover how DAX provides a better patient experience and eliminates afterward documentation. Visit Nuance.com/slash DAX to sign up for a live stream demo and explore how DAX, Nuance's Ambient Clinical Intelligence Solution, can transform your organization. Our guest today is Laurie Bedke, a keynote speaker, leadership expert, and the director of healthcare leadership programs at Creighton University. Laurie is here today to talk about resiliency and why resilient leadership is so important in today's healthcare environment. Laurie, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Well, good morning. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Now, first of all, congratulations, because... Uh, We've just made this announcement at MGMA, but you've been selected as one of the keynote speakers for our spring conference this April. Uh, Your topic definitely caught my attention, and it's very appropriate. You're speaking on resilient leadership, the role of well-being in individual and organizational performance. So tell us about this. Is this something you've been working on for a while? Did the pandemic play a role in this? Where did this originate?
1: Yeah, great question. Well, I am super honored to be able to contribute this talk to the conference because you're spot on. It's very timely, and I'm excited for this conversation. It's interesting because I've actually been studying and teaching on this topic since about 2018, so three or so years now. I mean, undoubtedly, the COVID-19 pandemic has amplified the pressure and uncertainty that we all feel but healthcare has been facing challenge and disruption for years. And as he- as healthcare leaders, we've been feeling this headwind increasing. And the importance of understanding how we can each individually, but then collectively rise up against those headwinds or, or challenges and disruptions really can't be overstated. I, I don't play into hyperbole, but it's incredibly important for us to be good stewards of our ability to contribute excellence to the roles uh, that we're hired into and then to shape that for the organizations that we lead.
0: Mhm thanks for that and I think we all know that term resilience, but what does it mean to you and what does it mean to be a resilient leader
1: yeah i I tell you what resilience and and um resilience is is a word that has become a buzzword if it was not prior uh to this past 11 or 12 months um i mean if 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 it were rewind just a little bit and kind of start with what the dictionary has to say Mm -hmm. resilience is our ability to withstand or recover from difficult conditions i think about it as, as a mental picture when i'm thinking about resilience i picture a rubber band daniel Mm-hmm. that rubber band, that small piece of, of of office supply material is pretty useful, isn't it? It has a lot of utility. I can wrap a rubber band around a big you know, package of, of markers that I'm going to take to a whiteboard strategy session. I can wrap it around a big stack of papers. And if I then take it off of those items, it really kind of goes right back to its original shape if it's in good condition, right? If I leave that said stack of papers on my windowsill for um, several seasons and it gets weathered and aged and brittle and dry, it might snap. So when I think about resilience, I think about the utility that we each need to have to, as that dictionary said, withstand or recover from difficult conditions. And I think that there are two different ways that we can look at resilience. It can be bouncing back, meaning kind of go back to the state that you were in before, like that rubber band. But there's a second way to think about it that I think is really useful for us as leaders, because any time that we endure a hardship or an adversity or a season of challenge, like the one that we're living in right now, we can think about bouncing up. Um, We can think about taking with us some of the the lessons learned or the information that we've gathered um, whether it is because of a win or something that was epiphany when we were face down on the arena floor as it were mm-hmm. um, and we can wrap ourselves in that learned experience and bounce up we can let what we live through inform the way that we go ahead so that we can do it in a more effective way and so If we think about resilience with those definitions or metaphors in mind, then we think about what is resilient leadership? Well, I think that uh, resilient leadership is, in many ways, leadership by example. It is our ability as leaders in whatever capacity that we're leading um, to be an example or a role model or um, a bellwether, as it were, for what others can see. They see us vulnerably and authentically and humbly um, facing into that headwind and possibly stumbling from time to time, but continuing to seek learning and formation from it and rising again and rising better informed. I also think it's a call to self-advocacy because when we are in challenges, uh, we need to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves. It's about sustaining ourselves so that we can better serve others and steward what's been entrusted to us. Um, and it's about fortifying our internal capacity to rise to those challenges and continue to push back against what the world brings to our doorstep. Mm-hmm.
0: When I hear terms like resilience, emotional intelligence, any of those, my my thought is always, is this something you're you're born with? Is it innate within someone mm-hmm. or is it... Is it learned? Is there a little bit of both? what What are your thoughts on that? and and if it is something we can learn and I sure hope it is, uh, what are some steps we can take to be better resilient leaders?
1: Wow, yeah, you you're spot on. Uh, i I think that a substantial body of evidence confirms that we can, in fact, increase or strengthen our resilience. Look hard is normal hard is normal I don't like swallowing that pill myself Mm -hmm. but it's true right Right. it's true in our personal and our professional lives adversity is inevitable it will present itself in some way shape or form it's really not a matter of if but when think about it we can um, we can have a really bad performance on a, a project or a presentation We can go through things in our personal life, the the loss of a loved one, the displacement from a job. Um, This global pandemic is an example of the types of adversities that we will experience. But um, resilience is actually enabled by well-being. So that's something that the literature confirms time and again. And we can't necessarily outsource or buy that. But we can condition ourselves to grow the muscles that enable, that, that, that enable or inform our best selves. So if we think about well-being, there are a number of different categories that make up well-being. It's our physical well-being. It's our um, social or community well-being, our financial well-being, our spiritual well-being. But if we just start with knowing that if we're thinking about, as, as you asked, how can we grow or build that within ourselves? Well. We should probably start with, you know, the blocking and tackling of sleep and nutrition and exercise. Is it hard? Yep. But it's important. And and it's a law of diminishing returns for us individually if we are not making sure that the vessel that we pour from as a leader is full. We can't give to others what we don't have for ourselves. And that is terrifically challenging, especially in in months like we're living in, right? Because. Right the workload just compounds. We were busy and taxed and challenged as leaders in in the physician practice environment and healthcare as a whole before the pandemic just came and and you know exacerbated that and and dumped exponentially more workload and complexity and uncertainty onto us. So for me to say that sleep and nutrition and exercise is important i'm sure that some of you may have just lost your eyeballs rolling them into the back of your head <laughs> but again let me reinforce that you know we can't pour from an empty vessel and think about how much more you can produce and the potency and the efficacy of your performance individually when you are firing on all cylinders when you've been consistently investing in your physical well-being think about the social and community aspects or elements of well-being. We should not isolate. We should not withdraw. We as humans are renewed by the reciprocal relationship, uh, by the reciprocal nature of relationships, And so it's important for us to be there for others because we will be renewed by that, but it's also important to lean into others when we need to be supported. And that part of making sure that we're connecting with others and, and asking for help when we need it or giving help to others has renewing elements as well that helps us to be resilient. Think about how much it, it helps you to feel like you belong to a group, um, whether it's MGMA or some other um, you know, community group or, or friend group even. When we feel like there are other people who are standing behind us, We can go to battle a lot more effectively or stand up to something that maybe brings fear to us or is intimidating way easier if we know that we're elbow to elbow or you know that you have people behind you and so again when we're taxed professionally when we're challenged by by things like this pandemic it's tempting to just isolate withdraw hunker down focus on work but we should not overlook the importance of investing in those social relationships and those are a couple of the things that can help us to grow resilience. And I would argue there there are so many more, but I know time is working against us today. If you think about how important it is to invest in activities like I've just mentioned, so that you can bring your best and so that you're leading by example and others who are taking their cues from you are doing the same, and that we're encouraging the entire body of individuals that are a part of our our practice, our organization, our system to do the same. Now we're talking about the incremental and and scalable compounding growth of more effective performance.
0: Now in earlier correspondence you had written that healthcare is replete with disruption and you were talking about some of the disruptions we've all been facing here but are there some particular large disruptions that you've seen occurring in healthcare due to COVID?
1: Yeah, wow, well, where to start, right? As we already alluded, there are there were plenty of challenges before we moved into our current COVID reality. Um, but I'll point to two that I'm most concerned by. I mean, one, Our workforce has been more deeply challenged than ever. We entered the pandemic under a crisis of fatigue and burnout, but this has compounded that reality and the state of fatigue and demoralization that healthcare professionals are experiencing is at record historical highs, unfortunately. And so that's one reality um, that I think that we are going to have to deal with. And the more proactively and, and the more intentionally, the better. Um, two, the internal and external disruptions at healthcare's doorstep are at fever pitch. Um, you know, mergers, acquisitions, and increasing presence of and competition from private equity, from mega retail um, and other corporate entities, from tech and, and, and the biotech space is really substantial. And so that complexity and that, that uncertainty compounds the state of overwhelm that we're all facing. Um, so I think those, again, are, are an exacerbation of what we each feel as it pertains to our endeavor or attempt to be resilient, whether it's individually or within our organizations, or frankly, within our profession as a whole.
0: Mm -hmm. What can resilience then do to combat some of these disruptions? How do we steel ourselves against that and and kind of (laughs) face that headwind as you were talking about?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think that the more intentional and strategic that we are as leaders, Mm -hmm. the more effectively that we can combat. disruptions. So, um, you know, the more effectively that we condition ourselves to have a realistic expectation that hard is normal. If we wake up with that expectation and it's not a surprise to us that we're tempted to wither from or complain about, the better that we'll be able to strategically um, and consistently show up and, and chip away at those challenges. And I think The second element that I would mention, and you alluded earlier in your remarks to emotional intelligence, another topic that I teach on frequently and is near and dear to my heart, the more that we are able as leaders or individuals to lengthen that space between a stimulus and our response, um, the more strategically that we'll execute both individually and collectively. Um, If we look at that topic of emotional intelligence from a neuroscience perspective. Our brains are hardwired to give emotion the upper hand. Our lower brain, the limbic system, the amygdala, loves to engage, fight or flight. But our upper brain is where executive function occurs. So the wise leader invests in making sure that they can stretch that space between stimulus and response practicing mindfulness, preparing ourselves to perform under pressure so that our actions are measured so that they're aligned to our desired objectives and that all of our actions and and all of our directives um, follow suit. So when we think about again, when I'm teaching on emotional intelligence, it's very easy for people to compare IQ and EQ right emotional, intelligence to the intellectual um component and i look at them as you know technical and behavioral competencies regardless of of your role within healthcare if you're someone who is in quality and patient safety or if you are someone who's in revenue cycle or finance or strategy or population health or um, a clinician Or any of the other myriad roles that exist within healthcare. It's easy to focus on the black and white, the tactical, the technical competencies that have prepared us for that role. Our certifications, our degrees, our credentials, those are so important. But they are only, you know, they're they're the table stakes. That's what gets us in the door. What differentiates us in our ability to perform at a high level are all of those behavioral competencies. So it's tending to, that neuroscience approach, knowing how we're, we're hardwired as humans to respond, but then hacking it just a little bit, right? Knowing okay. that if we can practice small things, take very small, consistent, incremental steps every day to reprogram or rethink the way that we respond, then okay. we'll more effectively and more intentionally, um, respond to those challenges. And we'll be able to understand, we'll see the forest for the trees. It's really easy when we're in the middle of a challenge or an adversity to only see crisis and just want to you know, run around with our hair on fire. And trust me, I'm raising both hands here. I am one of the most <laughs> impatient, impulsive, reactive people on the planet. And, and frankly, it's one of the things that makes me good at what I do professionally. I am a catalyst for action. But if that is ungoverned, unregulated, unchecked, Daniel, I will misfire. So knowing that about myself and then conditioning myself, putting, putting measures around me in the types of people that I collaborate with, in the types of systems and processes that I put in my daily, daily uh, life, the better I can manage my environment because none of us can control what happens around us. We can only control how we respond to those challenges. So, if we take a little bit of, you know, a couple of ingredients from the emotional intelligence recipe and, you know, we mix it in, whisk it up with a couple of the elements from the well being and resilience and mindfulness recipe, we'll end up with a formula. Um, that will produce in us the type of effective leadership that we all, I believe, want to bring to the table.
0: Right. Um, (laughs) When you talk about it, you you do make it sound achievable. Not that it's not hard work, but it's achievable. So for us mere mortals out here, is there a tool or resource that you can share with us so we can all start becoming more resilient leaders?
1: Wow. Well, I am right there with you, my friend. Uh, I am a mere mortal also. And like I said, it is just that consistent heavy lifting. I would say first and foremost, give yourself some grace. We are in the crucible. Um, And we have to sustain ourselves in this time so that we can effectively rebuild going forward. So start with a measure of grace. It's not easy because we all have high expectations for ourselves. And there are plenty of people around us that have high um, expectations of us. But it's important to give ourselves um, some grace. Second, I would go back to that that element of, you know, social and community well-being lean on your community, this MGMA community, and the colleagues and friends who support you and, on, and, and, and whom you can support in return, no matter your style, whether you're one of the gregarious and extroverted ones, or if you're a little bit quieter and more introverted, that's, that's the side that I'm kind of standing toward. Um, we all want and need connection and belonging, and to be supported and to be there for others in a time of need, It's validating, it's restorative, and when we're with others, we're learning together, we're growing together, we're advancing. It does help us to feel like we can take on the challenges that we're facing down when we know that we're not alone.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, we do have some good news. You're not only the opening keynote speaker at the upcoming spring show for MGMA, but you're also going to be doing one of the other breakout sessions as well. So I, d- I did want to ask you about that briefly here. This topic mm-hmm. is on the focused leader, prioritizing what, why, and how we do what we do for maximum impact. Tell us about that. Because in, in one aspect of it, in writing about it, you say there are habits of high-performing executives. I'm feeling there must be some overlap here with what we're talking about with resilience. So Give us an idea of what are some of those habits from those high performing executives?
1: Uh, yes, well, if the resilient leadership keynote is all about surviving mm-hmm. this 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 topic is one that's a huge passion spot for me, and I'll say that this is really about thriving. How do we as leaders, bring our best to the table so that we can be that high performing leader or executive. Um, And if I could only pick two, uh, I'll I'll steal two from the list and and give you a sneak peek. The first is that, you know, we have to focus our energy and resources as executives, as leaders, we have to be strategic. You know, there's that saying, if everything is a priority, then nothing is a priority. Mm -hmm. Well, the most successful organizations and executives are really relentless in their discipline to elevate and make known and then resource what needs to get done. I mean, the alternative is a race to the bottom. It's that messy middle of mediocrity. And if we want to think about the potency and the power of something that's prioritized and a stated known front burner priority, as compared to the diluted womp womp of something that we're just trying to make everything important the first piece of advice or the first habit of those high performing executives is that they focus their energy and resources and it's a practice and it's a discipline and it's no fun but it is what tells us and and what we know to be the key to to successful outcomes the second is to really pursue clarity of purpose. Um, The most successful executives are ones who know themselves very, very effectively, very acutely. They know their strengths and their weaknesses and they know what lights their soul on fire. So as organizations and as individuals, our acute awareness of why we exist, our mission, that that work that lights us up and regardless of how hard it is we're convicted and compelled to continue to chase it until we will it into submission that will sustain us to overcome the obstacles and challenges that are you know going to litter our path we all have a remarkable capacity for work and for hardship but it is only for those who who very keenly define that clarity of what their purpose is individually and then have the courage to pursue greater alignment to that work, who actually end up kind of achieving that best practice, highlight real success that I think we all crave.
0: Hmm. Well, th- thank you for sharing that, because I, I was reading about that topic and thought, wow, that's one that I at least wanted you to touch on as well, because I think that will be so helpful for our listeners uh, when they attend the show. So going back to resilience then, are there any final thoughts you wanna share with us today about that topic?
1: Yeah, I guess I, I will just say, uh, I wanna say thank you to everyone who's listening. I If no one has told you lately, let me do so. Uh, you're appreciated, your work is invaluable now more than ever. And having spent uh, you know, the, the first half of my career in practice management, um, I understand the challenges of that role. And it is not as common as I, we would like that we get recognized or appreciated. So frankly, I will just start there because it's important for each of us um, to be appreciated for the work that we're doing. And I'll close with, a favorite quote of mine um, that connects to this topic. It's from Maya Angelou. And it says, do the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better, do better. And to me, that quote is both encouraging and exhausting because we're all on a journey. And I hope that I'm a better leader today than I was last year and 10 years ago but I also sincerely hope that I'm a better leader tomorrow and next year and 10 years from now than I am today. So do the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better, do better. It's a journey of growth and the more intentionally and, and with better information that we each step through it, the more effectively that we can be resilient to face down those disruptions and challenges that are likely not going away.
0: Laurie, that is just great advice, great insights. Thank you so much for sharing those with us and for joining the show today.
1: Daniel, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure and an honor, and I am really looking forward to this spring's conference.
0: Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Laurie Bedke, you can hear Laurie speak at MGMA's conference in April. For more information, go to mgma.com slash pathways conference. And thanks to Nuance for sponsoring this week's show. Visit nuance.com slash DAX to sign up for a live stream demo and explore how DAX, Nuance's ambient clinical intelligence solution, can transform your organization if you like the show please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast if you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview email us at podcast at mgma.com or you can find me on Twitter at mgma Daniel mgma insights is presented by Declan McGee Rob Ketchum and I'm Daniel Williams Stay safe, and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights Podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.